What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Backpacking Podcast. As always, John Kelly here with Jeremiah Stringer, the king of Kentucky backpacking, the red-headed, wanderlust, wandering wonder, Jeremiah Stringer. What's going on, dude? Oh, nothing much. Just starting off this Monday, right? Just took like an hour and a half nap, ate some dinner, and now I'm ready to talk to the masses. Oh, man, that sounds like the perfect night. You know what I did for the last uh, two hours? What's that? Edited video, worked on a live stream, and ate really bad Little Caesars pizza. <laughs> the Little Caesars, man. Why did you pick that? <laughs> Bro, it's called being on a budget, you know? Like, $5 feeds a whole family, you know? A little cardboard, a little pizza sauce, a little cheese. A little, little cardboard with some red stuff and more, like, juicy cardboard on top of it. It's awesome, man. It's the best stuff ever. It's good to hear you editing a video, man. That's good well, it's, stuff. Not for, it's 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 another video. It has no, nothing to do with my YouTube channel. That's that, uh, that, we'll talk about that at another time. Although uh, uh, I picked that song before for the countdown because it kept yeah, saying that, my feet don't work no more um, because it's kind of like me right now. Uh, so I, I hurt my ankle a few weeks ago, right? Uh huh. I got overconfident too quick. So I went for like a little four or five mile hike yesterday with some friends and uh, decided not to wear my brace. We'll just leave it at that. That was dumb. Uh oh. It sounds like mistakes were made. Yeah, mistakes were made. And uh, I'm wearing a brace again. So there's that. Is it swelled up today? It's not horrible. It's not horrible, but it is, it is like not good. You know what I mean? So I'll survive. I'll survive. But uh, we've already got people on here already. <laughs> Bad little Caesars. No way. It's great for what it is. I agree with that. It, it is great for what it is. You know what I mean? Just saying. Yeah. I live off the, I live <laughs> Not off for the YouTube show. OnlyFans video. Uh, I promise you, man, if I had an OnlyFans, nobody would be paying for that. I'm just going to say <laughs> that right now. Nobody's paying for that. Uh, best $5.99, $5 pizzy. Yeah, no the joke. pizza five, maybe. Absolutely. That's uh. We're plugging pizza here. We're not getting paid for this, but Papa John's, that's my go-to. Oh, yeah? You love the Papa? Bridget. Yeah, Bridget always gets pineapples on there. Pineapples. Oh, my wife does, too. Pineapples and ham? No, pepperoni and pineapples. Really? Have you ever had pineapple and bacon? Yeah, that's a staple, I'm pretty sure, in the pizza world. But, I'm uh, telling you, man, just bacon in general, you put bacon on anything, I'll probably eat it. Wait a minute, you said bacon and pineapples or ham? Bacon. No, I don't think that I have ever. I don't think I've you ever got. To now, don't you? Yes, that sounds delicious. It sounds sweet and savory and fatty and delicious. So tonight we got we got some royalty kitten on the show here in just a minute, but we also have royalty in the chat right now. We have one of the royal couples of uh, of backpacking, and I say royal because they just got back from a trip to Isle Royale, and that is Miyagi on the trail jamming out tonight, and Trips on the trail saying, "Hey guys." So we are excited to have the royal couple of backpacking on here with us today. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good show tonight, man. Oh, I'm very excited, and I have talked for the last couple of weeks because uh, you and this fellow share a bond that I don't share, but I'm excited to learn about. Yes, yes, and we're gonna talk about that in a second. And I just want to like, if you've never seen this shirt, it's kind of hard. I'm gonna move away from the microphone for just a second, so I'll kind of yell loud. But if you've never seen this shirt before, this is our guy today. 
Mr. Joe Wilderness himself, Mr. Jamie Secord from Canada. What's up? Some internet, and he's on here with us right now. What's going on, man? Man, I'm so excited to be here. What's up, Jeremiah? How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, man. And yourself? Great, man. Highlight of my day, for sure. Dude, so, so, Jamie, we, we've been talking, like, for, what, three years now? Like, on Instagram, just sort of messaging randomly. I don't know who messaged who first, but somehow we started messaging each other. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, like, because okay. I, I will say, I was honestly, I was coming on here, and I, I knew right away I was probably going to interrupt, just to say, I don't think the two of you know how instrumental you were in getting me into hiking. Oh, wow. Um, like, like. I had done a couple hikes, but that's when you start learning about gear. And that's where I found, I found John's channel. And, it, and man, you were, you were like maybe 400, 500 subscribers back then. Jeremiah was probably a little bit ahead of you at that point. And you would always reference his videos. So I was like, I didn't want to get overwhelmed in the YouTube world. So I like, I tend to stick to like what I know. And man, I watched everything you guys made for like a year. That's and awesome. I learned so much about gear and I learned so much about trails and, and the what not to do and the what to do. Uh, and honestly, like, like I said before, like hiking changed my life, but like you guys are the, like the two guys that I would say, like taught me so, so much. Wow. That, that means a lot, man. Thank you so much. And yeah, and that's, I, and that's, I would say, I probably definitely messaged you first because like, it was like, I had so many questions and you just seemed so knowledgeable and man, it, it made a big difference for sure. That's awesome, man. Well, all I remember is it was maybe a year and a half ago you you started asking me questions about Kilimanjaro yeah and you were like so where did you go like what what group did what you know what outfitter did you use and we just we just started talking about this thing and I've just been like glued to your Instagram for the last year waiting (laughs) for like every little part to this trip and for those people who don't know uh just in July you summited Kilimanjaro so for people who maybe don't know what Kilimanjaro is, you want to explain a little bit about the mountain to them? Yeah, so Kilimanjaro is it's the highest mountain in Africa, the continent of Africa, uh, which makes it one of the seven summits, which is the, the seven highest mountains on every continent. Um, it's one of the biggest volcanoes in the world, uh, and it's actually the tallest freestanding mountain in the world as well, uh, which means it's not part of any mountain range. It's just literally plumped there right in the middle of the land, one big mountain, and it's the the... 19,341 feet. Uh, so it's a, it's a good clip. It's a good hike. Yeah, it is. And and it's, and you're not kidding when you say it's, it's just like plains and then this massive mountain and then this huge mountain. Yeah. And you wonder how like that, that like iconic photo of the mountain that everyone knows when they see it, like you don't think that that can be real. And then you get there and you're just surrounded by nothing. And this mountain in front of you, you know, miles and miles and miles away. So, I'm going to, uh, Jeremiah already knows I got a lot of questions for this because, you know, <laughs> been there, yeah. been there and love. This is like, I, I tell people all the time, Kilimanjaro changed my life. Yep. It was the thing that made me fall in love with hiking and backpacking and everything. It was just, it was the thing that did it for me. And uh, were you as shocked as I was to be like starting out in a rainforest with monkeys swinging over you and then ending up in like the Arctic? Like, unbelievably so. Like, not not over, like, every single day, the landscape changed. Like, rainforest to the moorlands to the alpine desert. And then as you're going, it's like there's less and less birds. There's less and less plants. So then you look around, and it just looks like you're on Mars. Yeah. And you're still, and you're still only halfway. So then you start going up, and then it's like you're on Mars, but with ice and a little bit of snow and 
really, really cold winds. And it, it's crazy how quick it changes. And I did the seven day road. I think you did uh, the same. Yeah. Yeah. Machame. Yeah. I did Machame. Yeah. So seven day route. And so every single day of seven days, like your weather is changing. Like it's, it's, it's something to, to witness for sure. Yeah. You start out and it's like 65 degrees. Yeah. And then the first day it's, it's now 45 degrees. After <laughs> yeah, one day of hiking, it drops 20 degrees, you know? And, yep. and the funny thing is everybody thinks of, of Africa and they think stupid hot weather, but yeah. really Kenya's like temperate. It's like 70, 75 degrees is a high most of the year. Yeah. And, uh, and- I was, I was surprised. And that's like I said, you land at the airport and you kind of get kicked in the face with that humidity right away. Um, but you know, within, you know, 12 hours later, you're, you're cold, you're in your tent and you get your layers on. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about the, the travel situation. So you're living up North in Canada and mm-hmm. you have to make it all the way to Africa to do this trick. Yeah. John, I don't know if you've heard or not, but he's talked a little bit on here before about doing Kilimanjaro when he did it. And uh, they lost some of his luggage. And I'm sure, as you can imagine, that's a terrible situation. How did the travel and everything go for you to go from, I'm sure, a really long flight all the way from Canada over to wherever you touched down in Africa? Yeah. Uh, so we were we were basically Montreal to London, London to Qatar, Qatar to Kili. Uh, and, and we were traveling just as like, I mean, COVID restrictions have been lifted a while, but like, infrastructure just still just getting used to people traveling again so right now if you've seen the news like canada is like one of the worst rated countries for for airports right now uh we're losing everything luggage people's flights are being canceled delayed and somehow we got to africa with everything we needed and no issues at all a little bit bit ridiculous like we had we had flight delays but all that did was was shorten our layover from like eight hours down to four hours like which is a bonus to begin with. So it's kind of, <laughs> we, we won and I don't know how, but it's over now and I'm going to take it. <laughs> so after so, you got to Africa and uh, you, you were getting transported, I assume to some kind of base camp. Cause I, you have a YouTube channel, Joe wilderness, and yeah. uh, you documented your journey on a video on there. And I have seen it and it, it seemed like uh, you met an extravagant group of guys, which I would assume were, uh, I don't know, is Sherpa a derogatory term or would they, is it like porters? Guides? They're porters. Porters, yeah. Porters. Porters. Oh, porters. Right. Okay. So you got transport, transported over there and then I guess you met all those guys? Yeah. Well, so you, we picked up from the airport and you go to a hotel for, for the first night uh, and, then you're, and then your hike starts the next day. Uh, and yeah, so I mean, we're, we're picking up the porters like in porters their village on the way. It's about a two hour drive to the, to the national park. Uh, and they just kind of all live on the way. So, you know, we start off with two or three in the bus. Then we have seven or eight. And all of a sudden, we're a crew of 30 people. Uh, <laughs> and our our support staff was almost 20 people for six hikers. Like, the yeah. ratio is insane. And and the work that they do is, hands down, like, the greatest thing I've ever witnessed in person. <laughs> okay, so what was your thought when you first saw one of those guys carrying, a, um, uh, like, a 50 to 100-pound bag resting on their head and they just take off up the mountain? Man, so like right at right at the gate, right? You know how it is. You're you're all the companies have their buses and everyone's getting their porters ready. Like he takes my 115 liter duffel bag and he puts it inside another stuff sack and then yep. takes two more of those and puts it in there yep. and puts it on his head. And then there's a lineup of you know 300 of these guys. Like you just you, you can't you can't even process it. Like you're standing there in awe. You're just like you got your little 24 liter day pack. 
and they move. They move, they move fast. Move like fast. You you know what pole pole means, right? Slowly, slowly, <laughs> slow, slowly, slow, slowly. slow, slow. Yeah, that those guys don't go pole pole. Those guys go go. Like they're just gone. Like, and you know, going going uphill, going uphill quick is one thing. But and and if you've seen the video at the end, I kind of show them coming downhill on day seven. And there's, I think there, I think I counted twenty four porters in a row in the video that I made. And they're all carrying, you know, 50, 60 pounds on their head. And they're ripping down the mountain past us. Like, they know that trail step for step. Yep. And it's, it's, it's a little mind-boggling. Okay, so something pre-trail I have to ask you about. So <laughs> I stayed in the same hotel you stayed in because we used the same – we used Climb Killy. We both did for, our, for when we did it. When you saw the, the eggs with the white yolks, did that freak you out just a bit? Most, what is most of our eggs were scrambled. Most of our eggs were scrambled. Maybe they're hiding something. I don't know. I didn't see any white yolk eggs. So, so I went up, and they had a lady working the, the – okay, so I never told you about this, Jeremiah. So I was working – there was a lady working the, the breakfast buffet thing, and she was making eggs for people. And uh, while she's making the eggs, um, I look, and she pours it out, and it doesn't look like there's any yolk. <laughs> I'm like, this what looks is like going on what? with these eggs? It was just a what the yolks in Africa, at least where in that part of Africa, apparently are white, like solid white. And so I was a touch freaked out. You know, I thought I was eating like mutant eggs or something. And uh, anyways, long story short, I, I didn't know if you had experienced that or not, but I know it freaked me out when I was when I was there. And I didn't know if anybody else got a chance to experience the amazing nuclear white yolk eggs like I did. I, I did not, but I, I mean, I'd like to see it. I'm gonna, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, it was oh, pretty. Wow. I will say the food on the food on trail was better than the food at the hotel. Yeah, the soup. This oh, dude, the soup every How day. Soup did lunch you eat? and supper. Yeah, uh, lunch and supper every day for seven days, and if not one, like multiple bowls per meal for sure. Yeah. Especially, and I didn't really touch on it in the video, but on day three, I, I went into mild hypothermia. And the only thing I could I could get down was coffee and soup, and oh, so I wow. was like, I was you know shaking and trying to get the soup into me, and I, I was able to come out of it. And but man, that soup, delicious. Yeah, it, it was okay. So Jeremiah, you got to understand what they do. Okay, we, we, he's talking about these Sherpa or these these porters carrying stuff up. They're not just carrying huge bags of gear; they're carrying uh, a kitchen up. Are they carrying like tents? literally a kitchen? Like, oh. like yeah, it's a tent, and then inside they're cooking all the yeah. food. We had. We had fresh fruit, fresh vegetables. We had fried chicken. Fried chicken. Fried right? chicken. Right? He, he walked in with fried chicken, and I said, are you kidding me? Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> man. So good, man. So good. And, like, they'll make popcorn for you. And, like, it's unreal. These guys who do this, they do it right. And and they really pamper you, which is pretty cool. But um, sure. so – I want to ask you about this. You just mentioned one thing. One of the things I learned about Kilimanjaro was that elevation does different things to different people. What are some of the stories of things that people were dealing with with elevation? Because the United States, our highest mountain in the in the 48, the lower 48, is 14,000 feet. Yep. Nothing over 15,000 feet in the, in the lower 48. And you're camping at 16,000 at one point. Yeah. Um, what was the, what was the elevation like and how did it affect some of the people on the trip? Uh, for, for me and, and most of our six crew, uh, our biggest thing was sleep. 
it just it just destroyed your sleep and your appetite really like man you know how much food they make yeah. like they, they they know how much calories you need per day to to even just break even for the hike you're doing so they're making you food of like noodles and rice and meat sauce and meat and fruit they're loading you up and you look at that and you're just like man i'm so hungry but i cannot eat that at all can't eat at all yeah um so there was there was a lot of the a lot of the appetite loss of sleep for sure um a lot of a lot of a lot of brain fog i would say I got a fly here. It's killing me. Uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of brain fog, a lot of like decisions like you might not make on trail that you're making like, oh, I'm going to step on this rock. And then you realize, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And, but your brain is just not working at the speed it should be. Did anybody, yeah. uh, I, you said that it was a crew of six hikers, right? For us, yeah. Okay. I, I have a two-part question here. Did you already know any of those people beforehand, and did they have any uh, ill effects from the elevation like John was talking about? Uh, so the only one I knew of the six was my like my full-time hiking partner, Joel. Uh, so we traveled together. Um, the two from South Carolina were a couple, married couple. We didn't know them, but they obviously knew each other. And then we had one solo dude from Philly, and we had a solo female from Slovakia. Um, so none of us really knew each other other than the, the two that we traveled with. Uh, and elevation-wise, they kind of experienced the same thing I did. Uh, on summit day on our way down, the sun was a little bright. It really hurt Joel's eyes. He had a little bit of snow blindness going on. Mm. Um, but outside of that, our crew didn't really experience too much. But some like me, we saw people getting piggybacked up and down the mountain. You know, we saw people evac on stretchers, like people using oxygen. And it's not really, I mean, they carry oxygen for emergencies, but it's not really an oxygen type of hike. Um, but people were using it and all, all altitude related. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I know like when I went, I kind of prepared for the elevation. What things did you do to prepare for the elevation? Did, were you taking Diamox or were you, uh, were you, did you do any exercising that would get your lungs ready for, for the lack of oxygen when you're up there? Uh, so I do run a lot, but I mean, I, I did buy like one of those altitude masks and I was going to train with it for like six months and get ready. Uh, you know, how that kind of thing goes. Like it felt, it felt like a novelty. It felt like kind of like, I'm not going to use this thing. Um, so not really like for altitude wise, I just, I did take Diamox. I was the only one who arrived in the country without it because I was pretty adamant that I wasn't going to take it because I really wanted to try and summit naturally. Uh, and then there's like this massive peer pressure at our group meeting right before the day of the mountain. And the guide was just like, you should be using Diamox. And I was like, okay, man, the, the, the couple from South, uh, South Carolina had spare and they were yeah. like, we got enough for you. So you may as well take it. It's here. We're not going to use it. So I did use it. Um, what is it? It's a, it's a medication that just helps you acclimatize to the altitude um, a little bit better. Because basically, basically, when you get certain altitudes, your blood vessels, basically the walls thicken on them a little bit. Yeah. And it makes your blood kind of, it makes it kind of difficult for blood flow to yeah. some degree. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and the Diamox works to kind of counteract that. And it's really weird when you first take it, probably about a half hour after you take it, you start feeling tingly in your fingers. And, yes, and it's like, yeah, everybody, everybody who takes it, they all, we'd all look at each other. Go, Do you feel the tingle? You know, the first day we're all freaked out by it. Cause nobody understood freaked what out. was going on. Cause you're like, why, why am I feeling like this? And then you realize 
that's one of the minor side effects of it. Uh, Jeremiah, the um, Riff Outdoors wanted to, he, he heard the Porters are sponsored by Gonex, so he thought you might be jealous that uh, they get all the Gonex gear. <laughs> that's okay. I'll oh. let them use all the Gonex gear that they want. Those, that's some I think a lot of those guys are sponsored by whatever we, we leave behind. Those guys, <laughs> that cannot be good for their vertebrae. I wonder, like, let's say, were there any older people that were porters, or is it mostly young guys, like 25, 30? For me, it was mostly younger guys, and I think it it think it probably stays that way because it seems like they work in, like, a hierarchical like, uh, like type of situation. You, you start as, like, the bottom porter who carries the toilets, and you work your way up to maybe chef and assistant guide and guide. Um, so that, that, that takes a while uh, to, to transition. So I think it's probably all young guys that are, that are porters. Um, not always. There's definitely exceptions. I saw some older, some older porters. I saw some female porters. I saw some older female porters, some older male porters. Like, but I would assume mostly young guys. Yeah, I think when I was there, the, um, the, the prevailing thing was it's a great job for when you're younger. Yep. Because it, yep. you it gives you some extra money and you get to kind of yep. have an adventure and – um, a lot of and the, the guys that are older that are still doing it actually just love Kilimanjaro, like they oh, genuinely dude, my, love my guide, my my lead guide. Um, he's summited over three hundred times. Oh, he's, wow. he, started, he started as a porter in 1984, and he's still going. He does the seven day route. He takes a day or two off, and then he starts the seven day route again. Yep, and he's 53 years old. He loves it, man. He loves it. Did you? Uh... Did you have a certain porter that you would consider your favorite or like any very interesting characters? It always seems like there's at least one. Uh, yeah. And honestly, his name escapes me right now. Um, but he was, they called him the engineer, uh, the toilet engineer. Uh, so, so with the company that, that John and I both use, they like we get our own private tent with a little toilet in it. So you don't have to use Our the toilet person? at the campsites. What's one that? per one per oh, camp. Oh no, one per camp. camp. No. One per camp. No, one, one per, per camp. camp. Yeah. yeah, one per camp. But still better than using the the public toilets that are just a hole in the ground. Oh, I bet. Um, and honestly, like I said, his name's escaping me right now. It's at the end of the video, but but he just had this personality that he he was infectious and he really really loved being on the mountain, uh, and he loved the mountain itself. Like he would pick up any small piece of litter, and not that there was a lot, which which impressed me uh, very very much. Uh, but but he loved that mountain. He takes care of it, and he he takes a lot of pride in his job. Yeah the uh, the thing I thought was fun too was uh and I don't know if you if this was how it was when you were there, but in the mornings you would wake up to someone knocking on your tent, and they were I'm bringing you up. hot coffee or hot chocolate or whatever you wanted. I had I had redneck mochas every single morning. What's for me right there? What's that? What's, what's a redneck mocha? Redneck mocha is coffee with hot chocolate. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Uh, I would call that just a regular mocha. So it's a redneck mocha, man. It's it's great. But you know what? And and I will say, like on the mountain, like I don't eat a lot of sugar in real life. Um, but like just adding sugar and cream to your coffee when you can't eat a whole lot is just like free calories, and that got me by a whole lot on some of those mornings. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Just like three or four sugars in the coffee, a whole bunch of milk in the coffee, just to get that extra, that little bit of extra calorie in you. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah Miyagi said he heard that the porters also have merch too. So you better get on it. Uh, um, that's another guy. I can't wait to meet Miyagi. I love you. I love you and trips. 
Yeah, Miyagi's pretty awesome. He's somebody brought this up to myself, and maybe it was just to me, but I thought they brought it up to me and Jeremiah was the fact that Miyagi probably gets more promotion on this podcast <laughs> yeah. than anybody else. Like even more so than Mr. Backpacking with Jason, sir. I think we talk about Miyagi more than we talk about he's left an impression. Let's just leave it that way. But he's in the yeah. comments, so it's all good. Absolutely. Okay, here's yeah. a good question, and uh, the answer is easy, but um, I'll let you answer it. Are there any bodies on the mountain like Everest? Uh, I, I walked over 132 myself. Yeah, I walked over uh, 723. <laughs> Graveyard no, up there. No, there are no bodies on the on the mountain <laughs> as far as I know. I mean, unless unless it, there's you know a, an exception somewhere that they can't get to, but I really doubt it. I don't think so at all. Well, and they have they have ways to get people off the mountain. It's not like yeah. Everest where once you've like there's certain parts of Everest when you get there, if you die, no. they can't get you back down. There's just sure. no way they can get you down. But yeah. in Kilimanjaro, they actually have these. Um, you probably saw them when you were walking down at the end. Yeah. They had these like little carts. They're like three wheel carts, and they could put they can put you on there like a stretcher, and it's they like can roll you right down the mountain. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, so, okay. I have for you, go ahead, Jeremiah. Go ahead. Um, I want to talk about gear with you for a minute. And yeah. since you live up north, I assume that you have much warmer uh, clothing and gear than I would have living in Kentucky. So I was curious for your trip, did you have to buy anything special or out of the ordinary uh, in order for your summit? Uh, not really. Like, I had the base, I had the Marina Well base, base layers already because I, I deal with Canadian winter. Uh, mm -hmm. I had a lot in Upper New York State, which is, I mean, the same winter as we are here in Ontario. Uh, so anything I did need to buy was not really like summit related. Like I needed a big duffel bag and I needed a few different things, but nothing summit related. I already had the winter boots and the the base layers and the the hardcore gloves and hats and balaclavas. And... Is there something? Yeah, but I, I, I will say, I like they when it comes to gear, they definitely gear it towards like the like people coming maybe from the warmest climates ever because they were very like adamant like you need this and you need this and i was like chill out man like i'm canadian it's all good it's not going to be that cold at the summit trust me and they were like nope it's going to be the coldest thing you ever experience and it wasn't i mean it was it was cold but it was not that bad well and that's something we were going to talk about tonight because um nice. when you went we i told you this earlier um yep. i watched your video and i just sat there jealous because your weather was perfect. When I went, when we got to the top, when we got to Stella, which is the peak before you get to to the to the main peak. Main peak um, yep. Yeah, I was standing in thirty mile an hour winds and negative thirty wind chills with snow blowing everywhere. Yep. And and I watched your video and I'm like, dude, it's not even like blowing wind. Like they're just like chilling up on top of this mountain. That is not fair. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, that's awesome that you got such good weather while you were there um and then, like we we were not going till october because we were planning on summiting on my hiking partner's 40th birthday and i kind of pulled an audible and i said man i think we need to go in the summertime just to uh, i wasn't not confident that we'd make it to the summit but i wanted to like guarantee as much as we possibly could by making everything the the peak conditions no no yeah. pun intended um and so i i, I said i think we got to switch to summer i think we got to go when it's hot uh, so that we don't have to maybe deal with snow and ice and crampons and ice axes and stuff I didn't really want to get into. Yeah. Uh, and and you're right, man. Our 
once we got above the clouds on day two, the fog cleared around lunchtime and we didn't really see clouds again after that. And it That's was, man, day two, day three, day four, day five, you can see the camps that we stayed at and the clouds are like right here. And we're just above them and there's nothing stopping our views at all. So, so tell everybody about uh, Summit Day and how that works because a lot of people don't, they've never done anything like this. They don't realize that Summit Day is actually very special for a lot of reasons, not just because you're hitting the summit, but the way they approach getting up there. Why don't you share a little bit about like what Ooh. Summit Day is like? I, I will, like, I haven't talked about this yet without crying. Yeah. That's Summit Day was, I, I said at the time, the hardest thing I've ever done. Once I got home, like in, in hindsight, I don't know that it was, but mentally. So we, we started Summit Day technically the night before at 11 o'clock because we woke up um, 11, popcorn, cookies, hot chocolate, coffee, just to kind of give us a sugar kick to get us going. And then once we started hiking, man, it was literally six hours of pitch black uh, headlamp to the ground looking at the feet in front of you, taking six inch baby steps yep. and do like, that was like two steps and then stop and take a breath. And the first five days, like, like my crew became, we became family in five days. Yep. And on day six, nobody said a word until, until, you know, the Porter would just yell out water. And that would be our cue to like, okay, stop taking baby steps, drink a little bit of water and let's keep going. Uh, it was, it was intense Mentally, I, I don't know that I've, I've recovered yet. Like things happened in my brain mentally. Like, I had conversations like with people that weren't really there. Just, I don't know if it was closure. I don't know what it was, but, but your brain is, is telling you like, you don't have to do this. If you turn around and yep. go home right now, you could be with your wife and your cats and your RV one more day quicker, you know? And everything is like having a devil and a devil on your shoulder. And it was like, no, turn around, go home. And then the other one's like, no, no, this is awesome. Keep going. Uh, and it was, it was maybe not physically the hardest thing I've ever done, but mentally it'll be hard to beat that. It was, it was very, very difficult mentally. Yeah. Cause they get you up at midnight. Yeah. Because they want you to get it. And why do they get you up at midnight? Why do they want to do that? Well, they want to see, you want to see the sunrise at, at Stella Point or, yep. or wherever you happen to be <laughs> Yep. Um, al along the hike. And we did. We got a wicked, wicked sunrise. I'm sure you saw it in the video. Like, it was, yeah. like you just turned to your right and it's like, oh, my God, look at that. And that's <laughs> but the other thing about about the summit day is it, we were about six hours from camp to, to the peak. But in the time of just staring at the boots of, ahead of you, you literally have no concept of time. When, when they, they tell you to take a break, like, I don't know if it's been 20 minutes or it's been two hours. Uh, so Stella Point really, really crept up on us. And then that's when you kind of know, like, okay, we've got an hour to the summit. But then you, you get back into hiking mode. And you don't know what an hour is. And then all of a sudden, people, you start hearing people ahead of you. They're yelling because they're celebrating the hitting the summit. And you kind of realize, like, oh, the hour must have passed because we're there. But, but time, time was out the window. Time was not something that existed at all. So have I told you my story about the summit day? No. Okay. So we get up at 12, just like you guys did. And we, we start hiking. And like you said, six inch steps going really slow. You've got 3000 feet to climb. You know, this is not like a minor climb. You're doing it like on very little sleep. Yep. And so we're hiking up and my nose is starting to run. And so I'm constantly wiping it with my glove. My gloves are red. 
that I'm wearing. And so I'm wiping my, uh, my nose as I'm, as I'm hiking up and we get to our first stop. And my buddy, Darren, who was there with me, he turns around and looks at me. He goes, dude, you're bleeding. I had rubbed my nose completely wrong, was bleeding all over the front of my white raincoat. And and so, so I go, get me wipes, get me something right now. And, and so, because if any one of the porters had seen that, they would have reported it. I had to go back down because they would have, they would have assumed it would have been like altitude. And I'm like, so I got all that stuff wiped off of me and cleaned off and I'm soaking wet because it's all the wet wipes, you know, Yeah, got all that stuff cleaned off and shoved toilet paper up my nose and just prayed. Nobody would see it. <laughs> I just Dude, kept I, hiking. Did, I did the same with the hypothermia on day three. I, I went to the, I went to the, the lunch tent I, I just kind of stuck to myself, got some warm in me, but I did not tell anybody because I thought for sure that they yeah. were going to kick me off the mountain. And yeah. I knew I knew at that point it wasn't serious yet. It was very mild. And I knew I could beat it and that if I couldn't beat it, then I would I would say, OK, I got to go. But I didn't want them to make that decision for me. And I did the same thing. Yeah. And and when we got to Stella um, to get to Uhuru Peak, when we wanted to make that last run was like what a mile long is that right yeah yeah. about a mile um that's when the wind hit that's when the snow hit and and we all just had to decide are we going to go or are we not and our our guide flat out told us you can stop here you're at the top of the mountain you're not the highest point of the mountain but you are at the top of the mountain you can say you summited kilimanjaro and i remember there was like there was a high school kid in our group and he just took off and then this other girl took off and i just we had 16 in our group they went down i just remember yeah, when we went there, oh. like that's how many people went up in our group was 16. Yeah. And I remember just looking at everybody and they're all trying to figure out what they want to do. And I said, forget it. And I just took off. Yeah, and man. 30 miles an hour, I, I was seeing false summits the whole way up because we we didn't make it there in time for the sunrise because just how bad the conditions were. And so I'm seeing false summit, false summit, false summit. And when I finally saw the entrance to that thing, I remember you probably got this too. You got the packet, right? It told you all about the mountain climb before you went and in it it says a lot of people get really emotional when they get to the top of the mountain yep. i remember reading that and laughing because i was like that's the dumbest thing i've ever heard you're gonna climb the top of a mountain and cry no that's not gonna happen bro i cried like a freaking baby when i crossed that that's that so peak. funny because I, I know myself, so I read that and I was like, Yeah, that's me. I'm gonna ball, I'm gonna ball my eyes out. <laughs> and I, I knew Joel, my hiking partner, would do the same. And, and we did, and that's okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't cry for anything. And and <laughs> like I mean, I I didn't cry. My kids were born. I was excited, I was happy. I just don't cry. I'm not yeah. a crying person. Sure. And man, I bawled my eyes out. I cried, I just every step I was remembering, okay, these people who were supporting me, this person who helped me learn how to hike the right way these people were showing me how to do this these people were helping yep. me with that we i was doing it for a for a cause we were building wells in ethiopia and and so I, all the people that had given thousands of dollars to help build these wells and all this stuff just built up and by the time i crossed the peak it was like this huge exhale and just everything went it was like so emotional Which so when you so- say yeah go ahead those are the conversations you're having in your head for those six hour hike up right like yeah like you're, you're thinking about those people and, and, and what you've done to get there. Yeah. Cause it's, it's something you train for. It's something you prepare for and you get there and it's just like, it just hits you all at once. And it's, yeah, it's unbelievably emotional. Um, unbelievably. Yeah. 
I'm so glad you got to experience it, man. That's the thing. I just I love when I get to hear other people's stories about experiencing it. What it meant. What was what was the first feeling you felt when you crossed the line and you actually were on the peak? Uh, you know, I. Of course, was, that's when I was, was going to go. Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. You got to do it again. Your internet ah. glitched on us. Like you went to say it, and it just glitched and went dead silent. So <laughs> let's, let's do it uh, again. So I was actually filming the sunrise. So I didn't notice right away. And it's, I think I left that part in the video. It was like, I'm, I'm filming the sunrise over here. And I start hearing people like, woo, woo. And I was like, oh my God, we're there. It's like, it didn't really, I didn't know. I, and I, I, I love being that first person to be like, oh, there's the summit. Like that's when we get to this, I like being that first guy. So not being that first guy, like it took me right out of it. I was like, oh, they, someone else got there first. Someone else noticed first. <laughs> Um, but, but it was honestly, it was just like pure joy, uh, and not just for myself, but for the other five that I hiked with, like, you know how that group is, like you become family real, real quick, uh, and knowing what they went through and knowing that we supported each other and we got there, uh, six for six in our crew, everyone made it. It was like the emotional roller coaster just opened up and everything flooded out. And, uh, it was just pure happiness. And these are new lifetime friends. hundred percent. Yeah, I, I still talk to a lot of the people that I hiked up there with. I mean, there were 16 of us, so we weren't quite as like tight knit yeah. as maybe you were with your six. Yeah. But there, there are five or six people from that trip that I still talk to probably weekly. And yep, uh, for sure, it we, just, we have a we have a WhatsApp group chat. And then when I when I hit the road this winter in my RV, when we're heading down south, like I'm I'm stopping on the way. We're we're definitely going to visit and bring them some merch from the the place that I live and work. And that's uh, awesome. yeah, I mean they're they're lifetime friends. What did That's they awesome. think? Now, how many? I'll go ahead, Jeremiah. What did they think about you filming trip? Because uh, I saw you—you you had a GoPro on you, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it was, and honestly, it was—it was a last-minute decision for me to even bring it. I was like going back and forth because I'm—I'm not a YouTuber, but I, I do—I love video editing. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna want this memory. Joel's gonna want this memory. I got to do it. And literally, like, just clearing through customs getting outside of the airport, I pulled it out and I'm starting to record. And then I found the group and they were just like, it was almost like, Oh, I guess we got the guy in the group who's going to record us. And I was like, Yo, are you guys cool with this? And they were just like, yeah, like it's going to be really fun. And you know, I mean, sometimes it's obnoxious having the camera in your face, but, but after they saw the video, I, I think everyone was very, very happy that I did. Um, and I was, I was super, super pumped that it turned out the way it did. So how many different nationalities were in your group? Uh, two Canadians, three Americans, and a uh, female from Slovakia. Slovakia. So three, three different nationalities. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Very And very, like, well-traveled people. Like, these guys, they travel a lot, um, which is which is really awesome. So we had a lot of stories to share. Yeah. I've, I found that out with the group I was with, too. It was a lot of people who they just have been everywhere. Yeah. And, and I, this was my first everywhere. You know, this is my first time doing anything like it and they were all just telling me all their stories of world travel and all that and i'm just sitting there like so in awe how much had you hiked before you decided to do killy i accidentally hiked 12 miles in college on a three mile loop um with the when i was trying to impress a girl and nice. uh then i started training <laughs> for kilimanjaro in 2015 so <laughs> that was that wow. was it like i didn't i didn't start any re i never really hiked until kilimanjaro 
Like I wow. can honestly say that I, I never like got together with friends like, Hey, let's go for a hike that I never wanted to never thought about it. And then I started to, and it like, we know this, it changed everything. It yeah, changed man. everything. Yep. Suddenly I was at the red river gorge three times a month. I was at my local trails every single day, you know, just, uh, I was hiking to get ready for that. I was hiking about 45, 50 miles a week. Crazy. Um, just trying to get myself to where like I, I, my whole goal was, I didn't want to be the last one to summit. I did not so, want to be yeah, the last that's one a good, to summit. That's a good goal because at least you're saying you're going to summit, right? Oh, yeah. I was summiting. There was no doubt I was summiting, but I wasn't going to be the last one. Like, the, I the wanted to be the for me, first one. The only doubt for me was, like, crept in, like, when we were there. Before we got there, I was like, there's 0% chance that I'm not going to summit. It's definitely happening. Yeah. But then it was like, once you're on the mountain and you see it in person, I was like, okay, maybe there's a little chance that I don't make it. <laughs> It's like you start feeling the, the effects day after day after day. And then I was that, that's when the doubt crypted for me a little bit, but yeah, not, not too bad. Well, when well, you get, when you get to those 16,000 foot camps and you look up and you realize it's still all the way up there, the whole mountain's still in front of you. Yeah. It looks like there's still a whole mountain and you've yeah. you climbed most of it. Yeah. But you still got all of that. To, it, it's crazy. Like it's crazy. I, I don't even know how to describe it. It is the craziest thing in the world. I, I uh, like, and, then, and not just because I love mountains and I love hiking, but like I would encourage anyone, if you're never going to climb any mountains, try Kilimanjaro. Yeah. Because it is literally almost anyone can do it if you put your mind to it. Um, but the, the awe that you would be in to be in its presence is worth it alone. Even if yeah. you don't summit, it's worth it. Yeah. We had a 69-year-old woman who had broken her wrist six weeks before she went up there and she summited and yep. she made it. 69 yeah, years old it's doable it's a very doable mountain for such a big for such a big beast yeah it, it's incredible now were there any any points where it got hairy for you like got a little bit were there any of the spots where you were kind of like oh this is kind of shady uh no i don't think so like i know people like to talk about the kissing wall uh, which is like this this spot where it's it's very narrow the guides kind of stand behind you in case you fall and it's yep. just one of these. You got to hug it and shimmy your way across. Well, uh, and it's really not that bad because it's all trees it's really and not. stuff. Yeah. yeah like we really actually had a guy drop his sunglasses and go down and get them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So and I don't, I don't think there was anything really like terrible for me. Um, just, just again, like the mild hypothermia and, and the stuff that you were feeling the effects of the altitude. Uh, but, but nothing hiking wise that I would have said like, no, like everything that came up, I was excited for the Barranco wall. Oh man, like this, this 900 foot wall. You only, you only end up doing maybe 5k that day. And you, <laughs> you only gain about 250 feet of elevation, but it's because you climb up and over this thousand foot wall and then go back down. Yeah. So it was like, you look at the day and I like, I'm looking at the itinerary, like, oh, this day is going to be easy. No, el no, no elevation gain, but it's, yeah, you, you go up a thousand, you come back down. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and there's a, there was one spot on that. I'm short, dude. I'm short yeah. and I have hobbit appendages. Okay. And so like, is my like, so is my hiking partner, Joel. So I see it every time, man. Yeah, like I got these like stubby legs, stubby arms. And and I was I was going up the Barranco Wall, and there's just one space where you have to kind of hop across this like six foot gap. <laughs> and I've got video of it, and my hand is shaking like a thousand miles an hour because my legs don't reach like we had to have our guide over there to reach with his hand and pull me over yep. because I wouldn't have made it otherwise. So I'm so jealous of you tall people when it comes to stuff like that, man. 
like Jeremiah would just probably be like, it's no big deal, and just kind of step over, I'm like just step over it. Yeah, man. Yeah, step over it. And then there's those of us where if we miss it, we're gonna fall three or four hundred feet and break every bone in our body, you know. Which is so, kind of like the joke I always say to Joel. Like he's like, Oh, how am I supposed to get over that with these short legs? And I always just say, just do it, like just step over it, just you know. <laughs> <laughs> just do That's it. That's why I say like my wife, man. But uh those little short stubby people, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Wait. So we, we talked a lot about Kilimanjaro. Can I ask you like you're 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 into hiking, you're into backpacking, um, and you've had a lot of life change because of it. Like, yeah. what is the most impactful change that's happened in your life because of that? Man, that's a loaded question. You got uh, that right. That's why we're here. I think <laughs> we're asking the hard questions tonight. Uh, I think the biggest change, like, it would probably be, like, personal to me. Like, I've done a lot for the community. Uh, I've met a lot of people online. Uh, I, lo- I love Instagram. Um and I love the people that I meet on there, but like hiking has introduced me to photography because it kind of goes hand in hand. Uh, I used to back in high school, do a lot of video editing. Um, and I got out of it because there was not really anything in my life worthy of video editing for. So it's gotten me back into that. Uh, it's gotten me so in touch with my own self, like internally, mentally, um, just getting to know myself and just getting to know just just how to become that person that finds your limits and pushes past them. And, and I think the biggest change has, has been just in my personality. Like I used to be very quiet and I mean, I still am. And I, I enjoy being a loner a lot, but hiking, man, like when you're out on the trail, you know how it is. Everyone says hi. And you know, 10 years ago, I would have been that guy that walked by on the trail, just like keep to myself, not, but, but man, you get out there and it's infectious and, and it, it helps bring out that personality in you and it helps you see that, you know, the world's got some good left in it. And I think that's probably the best thing about the outdoor community is that people are just so nice and so giving and it's not a competitive sport. It's, it's very much like, let's build each other up. And, and I feel like hiking's brought me to that point where, where I'm comfortable doing that with other people as well. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it also, uh, it kind of forces you to give your sound give yourself time for like self-reflection and then yeah. introspection. And like, I, I think it, it pushes you toward a perspective shift because life is so busy and then you get out and then all the distractions are gone and yep. you, you know, it's kind of like, you know, if you've never really been on a backpacking trip, it's kind of like going for a drive in your car. If you were to just turn off the radio and roll the windows down and then you're just present. Is how I would yeah. describe. Yeah, man, and for days on end, right? Like, that's that's so such a nice thing is is to be able to turn the world off for a little bit, whether it's a day, whether it's a week, or, or whatever it is. Like, just to be able to get back to simplicity has been nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so there there's a question I need to ask you though, um, because there's a lot of things about hiking that change your life. There are a lot of things that philosophically change it that. Uh, just a way of life change. Um, what's your best poop story on trail? <laughs> oh, that's the hard hitting. Because let's be honest, they're asking. They want it. Like that is the hard hitting. They, they want it, and it, it, like I'm not even kidding you. Right here it is. 45 minutes of no poop questions. What's going on here? So, uh, so we got to know, my, man. My best what's your poop, best poop story, story on trail. Uh, I'm gonna think on it for a second. I'm gonna say my best pee story on trail, though. And this is something you got me into hammocking, like. Oh, very yeah. early, very early on, and I, I don't hammock all the time. I, I mostly tent camp, yeah. but I love to hammock. 
uh, in the summer, especially. And I just remember the, the first time where I really hammock camped and that morning, 5.30 a.m., 6 a.m., I had to pee. And I said, man, I don't even have to get out of this thing. Just <laughs> up the side, you roll over a little bit and you just dangle and you know what? It works. And, and that was <laughs> like, that was like game changer for me. So I'm going to hammock camp Watch your shoes. Watch your shoes yeah, on there. But you got to be aware of that night before anyway. Yeah, don't I know pee, where they're don't at. Don't pee uphill. Don't pee uphill. Don't pee uphill. Uh, my best poop story on the trail is probably not even mine. It's probably it's probably Joel's my hiking partner. He, yeah, he, doesn't, he does not love pooping on trail. Like He will hold it. If we're, if we're on a 12-hour day, he will hold it. So if uh, a man poops on ridge, off a ridge line in Kilimanjaro, does it make a sound? <laughs> 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 it's probably hitting somebody below honestly there's so many people on that mountain <laughs> oh man there's so many people on that mountain uh yeah so he does not like pooping on trail so i remember one time like he was holding it holding it we finally we found a privy box in the adirondacks uh so he didn't have to dig a hole but the wooden lid was it just wouldn't stop falling on his back and it, was like, it, was, <laughs> it was it was a long one he was he was in the woods for you know 15 20 minutes and the whole time he was there it was like falling on his back just irritated it was, it's the only good poop story I got, I think. Well, That's pretty fun, though. That's pretty fun. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. I'm right there with uh, Joel. I, if I can, I will hold it and play the Don't Poop in the Woods game. But, uh, you know, you should uh, buy him one of the poop hammocks, man. A poop hammock? What's that? Yeah. The poop hammock? See, you're, you're still teaching me about new gear. Okay, I got I to gotta go find it here. Uh which is going to be first, Miyagi's Brad Pods or Jeremiah's merch? It wasn't either one. It was the poop hammock. Uh, yes. Talked about. Sorry, Miyagi. <laughs> so this this is going to change Joel's life. It is uh it's like a hammock chair, except it's a toilet. So he just digs his hole under it and hangs the the little hammock seat with the hole in it, and then he can sit on it like a toilet. Is it ultralight though? It's pretty light. How light is it, John? Maybe five ounces. I mean, it's sitting right back here. So I mean, you know, okay. it's like, too heavy. It's a few. I'm gonna look that up. It's the size of your fist if you were to just ball the fabric okay. in like a cordage and stuff up. So it's it's very small. We His give, birthday's uh, in a few weeks, so uh, I think John I just got a birthday going. present idea. It's great in the fall and the spring. In the cool. summer, yeah. it's a little hot and a little not as good. Right. And in the wintertime, it's miserable because you're just your your body shouldn't freeze there, you know. Like, so, so what's winter like down there? Down here in Kentucky? Yeah. Oh, it's it's mild. Do we have man. winter? Do we have winter down here? Like, what what's your lowest temperature? I mean, it can get in single digits. Okay. It can. That's it cold. doesn't often. It doesn't often. Yeah. yeah. Typically, you're bad. talking upper teens, low twenties. That's not bad. It's the lowest. I don't know if this is global warming or what, and I have not looked at the uh, the weather statistical data, but John, I will tell you, I have become friends with this guy at work. Uh, his name is Gary. He's 74 years old, and he gets around better than me. It's incredible. Wow. Uh, but anyway, he keeps telling me all these stories. You know, he's been alive for a long, long time, and he's always lived kind of in this area, and he's telling me about the very harsh winters from when he was a kid and a young man down here, he was like, we would get feet of snow. And I was like, dude, I've, I've seen feet of snow, what, twice in my life living in Kentucky? It just doesn't happen. Well, where did he grow up? Did he actually grow up like in central Kentucky or did he grow up in the mountains like in eastern Kentucky? 
I think uh, right around where I'm at, South Central Kentucky. Okay. But it okay. could be could be a little worse in the hollers or in the mountains over there, Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. Well, I remember there's been a few times where we've had massive blizzards. Like we have had them. Yeah. That's they cool. just don't happen often. So, but here's why I'm driving south this winter. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I say, Canada, you got no problem having that stuff, right? Like that stuff's all the time, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's like December to like March or so, but not every Canadian loves it. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I believe that. I believe I that. I lived in Wisconsin for four years. That was bad enough for me. Oh was yeah, good. that's bad news. I was like right off Lake Michigan. I was good. I'm like, I don't need Gross. to do this again. Yeah. Gross, man. Sorry, Miyagi. Love you, but can't do it. Yeah, can't do it. no. That's a summer visiting place. Yeah. Speaking of Miyagi, he he wanted to share something with us uh, when we said we we talk about him all the time. He said, "I'm sorry, and you're welcome." <laughs> yeah. Followed that up with, "I love you all." To oh, Doc you. Watson. Doc Watson says, "We love you too, Smooch." And. <laughs> Which that would have been enough, but then he had to take it too far, and he said, "I just can't resist those shorts." LOL. <laughs> for for those who are wondering what what he's talking about, Miyagi probably wears the shortest hiking shorts shortest known hiking to man. Shorts. Like yeah. it, it, it's unbelievable. Like there's gonna I, come I a day when I was wearing down his belt. average view time. Yeah, I, he's there's gonna come a day when he's just wearing a belt, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, I'm going to buy me some of those short shorts like Miyagi has. Are you really? Navy's basketball well, team. Yeah, I'll, that's what I'll look like. Maybe I'll be able to dunk if I wear them. I don't know, but <laughs> maybe I was looking. Uh, I was looking on Backcountry.com, man. I have a gift card on there, and I just typed in like shorts. Uh, I was like, I need to buy me some athletic shorts, and I found some four-inch inseam shorts. And I said, they can't come much shorter than this, man. They can't. We talking about, dude, those come down to my knees. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. The hobbit legs, man. Inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> but I would, I'd try them. I'd try them. But I could, I could signal a plane with my white legs. Well, dog plus you. girl adventure said you ought to, or girl plus dog adventure says you should do a two inch inseam. Two inch inseam. I, I like yeah. a two-inch inseam on some people, but I don't know about two boys. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Peters is on here singing who wears short shorts. <laughs> we wear short shorts. <laughs> oh. You're wearing shorts right now. Yeah, I'm wearing shorts too, but I can promise you, you're not going to catch me wearing short shorts. I don't. No, I no. I care about the people I come into contact with, <laughs> and uh, I just don't want to put them through that. No, I hear you. Oh, yeah. We can get- some short shorts, John. Rock them on trail, man. I'm good, man. I'm good. Like I really do care about people, and I care about them being able to keep their food down. So uh, I'm that guy. I love people. So did I tell but, you? Oh, sorry. No, I, go ahead. Did I tell you um, on that last trip that I went with Jason that I wore blue jeans the first day? <laughs> did I tell you what? No. Yeah. So I came. I came straight from work, right? And I knew that we were, I'd hiked in before and I was wanting to camp at the same spot. It's like an hour walk in. And I yeah. brought shorts and I was going to wear shorts. But then um, I was talking to Gary at work and he was like, boy, you are going to get eat up. And I was like, well, I did get eat up two weekends in a row prior to that wearing shorts. I was like, but I'd have to drive home and that would make me late for meeting Jason because you don't have much daylight. Uh, when you right. get off work at like four o'clock and then still have to drive to the trailhead. 
So I was like, I'm not going to drive home. I'm just going to take these jeans and I have an extra pair of shorts and I got like leggings to sleep in. So I wore jeans for that hour walk in and I am so glad that I did and did wear the shorts. Why don't you just wear the leggings under the shorts? No, I couldn't do that, man. They were they were a two hundred weight, um, like merino wool legging. They were I would have sweated to death. You were wearing jeans. What's the difference? Yeah, no, <laughs> you probably can't see it. I can text you some pictures. There's a little discoloration there, dude. The poison ivy that Jason got all over his butt, and oh. it's all <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so funny. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, well, so I I'm texting with Jeremiah. And we're just uh-huh. talking about like recent stuff. And Jeremiah goes, yeah, I got this awful poison ivy all over my <laughs> arms. And, and, and I go, man, that stinks. He goes, yeah, it's not as bad as, Jer- as Jason. He got it all over his butt. He went to poop and apparently like oh, sat in it. So, yeah. Well, oh. if I had have worn the shorts, dude, my legs, my arms, it has been two and a half weeks now. And they are just, just now to the point where the scabs are starting to come off where the poison ivy was so bad and pussing out. Oh, and I was, wearing, I was wearing my outdoor vital shirt and I rolled up the sleeves because I was getting hot in the jeans. Right. Mm-hmm. And we went through briars and all this stuff because it was still a little summer, summertime, you know, starting to enter fall. But, man, I'm glad I didn't have those short shorts in because my legs, not only were they got all torn up from the briars and, uh, you know, chiggers and mosquitoes, but also poison ivy would have been lethal. So, Miyagi, sometimes oh. short shorts are not for the wind. I'll say he is telling us which ones to get on Amazon if you want some. So there's the Padola shorty shorts off Amazon <laughs> for people that want to know. So twenty dollars, lots of colors, lots of amazing. Colors. So uh, listen, Jamie, it's been awesome having you on here, man. It has been it's awesome so having fun. you on here. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you online because you do post some really great stuff, and I want as many people as I can to watch that Kilimanjaro movie. So uh, why don't you kind of share where you are online and how people can find you? Uh, my biggest thing is Instagram. I love I love photography. Uh, I don't love reels. I love photography and I love to pay attention to Instagram. And I, man, I, I hate the word followers. People on people on my Instagram are my friends, uh, and I, I like to, I really like to dig deep on Insta and and, and touch base with people. Uh, so that's probably the number one place. If you're going to talk to me, like throw me throw me a DM on Instagram, uh, and you I'm will answer. YouTube. You will What's definitely that? answer. You will definitely answer. Oh yeah, yeah, man. I I love it. I love it. And, and you know what? I honestly, I don't follow people who aren't hikers. Instagram is my happy place. Every time I open it, the photos that are popping up is like, it makes me happy. Whereas like Facebook, I do have a Facebook, but I just don't use it because it's, it, yeah. you know, it's friends and family or it's the locals or it's, it's just more negative. Uh, so Instagram for sure. I'm on YouTube. Um, I think it's youtube.com slash Joe Wilderness. Um, please check out the Kilimanjaro video. Uh, you know, I put my heart and soul into the hike. But I put my heart and soul into that video, um, yeah. and it's 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 the best video I've ever made, um, and and it's gotten me really a lot of a lot of good feedback, um, and and you can you can really see what what it takes to get from the bottom to the top of Kilimanjaro, uh, yeah. and enjoy it along the way. And it it if you if you anybody on here has hiked Kilimanjaro, it you got to watch it. It'll just bring back so many memories, and it just brings back so much emotion that you felt when you were hiking it. So that it was just awesome watching it for me uh, just from that standpoint. So uh, really appreciate you being on here, man. Jeremiah, do you have anything else? Well, I just want to say it's a pleasure to officially meet you at least in E capacity. And hopefully 
we'll get a chance to backpack together. I'd really love to hit up the Adirondacks. I know uh, Justin, um, it's good in the woods, is also kind of around that area and a few other guys that we know. So maybe uh, if we could sort something out in the future, in the next year or two, uh, make a trip up to the Adirondacks and kind of meet up with you. So I'm actually, I'm trying to plan for guys like us, uh, an Adirondack week where people uh-huh. could just show up you know, if they can come on the Wednesday, they come on the Wednesday. If you can be there on the Monday, but we're going to do like a seven day uh, and I'm going to find some farmland that's going to let us camp. Uh, and hopefully next summer, if not the summer after, but it's, de- it's definitely going to happen. Oh, that'd be awesome. awesome. Looking forward that'd to it. That'd be that. awesome. Yeah, that would be sure. awesome. I, I honestly thank you guys for, for having me. Like I said at the start, like you guys changed my life with, with the information you guys put out there. Uh, and it, it really makes a difference. And it's awesome to see, that being passed along to like, you know, rookies who message me now for, for that same advice that I would have messaged you four years ago. Well, that so means cool, a lot. Man. Thank you. It's people like you that uh, is why we make the content. So it's good. It's good to see that come to fruition on here and get sure. to hang out and talk with you. So well, cool. And it's kind of fun because we, we have people that that's why we do this stuff. You know, right. it's like, it's just like cyclical just kind of keeps going, which is, which is awesome to be give back. So amazing. Well, thanks for being on here, man. Hang out in the green room for just a couple minutes, and we're going to kind of close things out. But, man, thank you so much for being on tonight. Thank you, guys. See everybody later. What a great story, man. Yeah, and like I said, it's great to see you all connect, and I could see the happiness in your eyes and the memories and you sharing. That was awesome, dude. Dude, geeked out. Totally geeked out when I I heard we were going to be talking about Kilimanjaro. I was just like, here we go, man. Let's go. You know? Yeah. Uh, okay, so so interesting thing. Can I show you something? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Let's see what let's see what this young man has here. You know, I like oh. the fact that you just called me a young man. Well, I'm 30 now. Really nice so of you. We're in the same club. Yeah, your birthday was this past week. Happy birthday. Yeah. Thank you. So, we're both young men now. <laughs> well, I'm getting ready to enter enter more like the old man. But so we've been talking for a while about chairs, right? Uh-huh. And I think it was on this show we talked about this chair from Mountain or uh, from Big Agnes. Yeah, Big that Agnes. Sits Fifteen yeah. inches high. Mm-hmm. Incredible. But it weighs it weighs like a pound and a half, a little over a pound and a half. Oh, you have it. He has it in hand, folks. It's not mine. Okay. I, I contacted Big Agnes and just asked them about it, and they said they would send me one. I have to send it back. Okay. I have to send it back. So it's not. This isn't like free, and I don't get to keep it. But I, if I like it, I may just buy it from them. But it really does sit high. Like when I was sitting on it, my legs were flat. You know how like usually you sit in your your heel and ox chairs and the other ones, and your feet are like almost angled straight up. Yeah, your that butt is. is at the same height as your feet in the other. Yeah, one. yeah. Well, this one you sit like you're in a chair, and it's really comfortable, like really comfortable. So I know we're going to be getting together probably in a week or two. Mm-hmm. and we'll get to see each other i can't wait to show you this chair because it's it's pretty cool it, it's uh what is the name of the chair hang on the big agnes big agnes skyline ul series skyline ul chair so uh jeff Everybody peters was it. asking what the chair is actually called um but yeah it's i can't wait to try it out. it's expensive like it's it's more expensive than like the chair zero and all that but Anything that makes getting up out of the chair after a long day hiking, mm. I'm kind of down for that. You know what I'm saying? 
So yeah, I'll pay a little more. Yeah, Jeremiah, you got the happy birthdays coming in over here, man. Mary says well, happy birthday. Doc says happy birthday. Uh, people are people are really uh, loving on you right now, man. Well, thank you. It was a good birthday. Bridget surprised me. I had a surprise birthday party. Had no idea. She just told me, oh, we're going to have like a date night. I'm going to cook you dinner and stuff. Stay gone until 530. Well, she got lucky because uh, I stayed at the gym until 530. And then I drove to like a different basketball court. And I was just going to keep playing ball. I was like, I'll probably stay here till 730. You know, it's Friday night. <laughs> and then uh, there's no one there. So I was like, well, I guess I'll get gas and go home. And I showed up. There's a bunch of people at the house. So I feel very loved. So thank you, everybody, for all the support and uh, my friends that got to come to the surprise party. It was a good time. Yeah. Well, and and uh, tonight was a good time, man. Tonight was a good time. We've got some more stuff coming on next week. We will not, I believe we're not doing the live stream next week. Is that right, Jeremiah? We will have an episode published Wednesday of next week everywhere that you get your podcast. So make sure you check that out. John That's and right. We uh are we have fall break this next week. And now that I have kids, fall break actually matters. And for you it matters because you get a vacation, which means you're gonna go outdoors somewhere. Kids are out of school. Mr. Stringer's out of school. There we go. There we go. So Jeremiah, it's been a fun night. Have yourself a good evening. And for the rest of you all, we will catch you on the next one. Adios, folks.